Hi, and welcome to the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. We've provided a collection of sermons, our midweek lessons, music, and many more tools to help you grow in your walk with God. We are living in an unprecedented and challenging time, but we invite you to listen in and be encouraged as we fight through this together. Be sure to subscribe and feel free to share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Thanks for listening. Amen. Wow. Come on, man. You guys are a talented, talented church. This is fantastic. Uh, I'm not sure I've seen a church where, you know, in, uh, in the song where it says we all lift our hands and like the whole auditorium came. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is incredible. This is awesome. Uh, such a joy to, to be here with you. My name is Aaron Jackson. Uh, full disclosure, my full name is Aaron Michael Jackson. Growing up in the exact place that you grew up in, 
that you go to, the schools that you go to, that you work at the job that you work at. There's no coincidence. God is the one who's in control. Right. You know, for me, I was, uh, I'm was i a country boy. Uh, you oh. probably can't tell. As soon as I moved away from Kentucky, I, I got rid of my accent. <laughs> got rid of it. But I was born and raised in Kentucky. Uh, my parents were, just a little bit about me, my parents were divorced by the time I was born. Um, just interesting, my mom was a lawyer. My dad uh, worked at an aluminum factory. And because my mom was kind of pursuing her law career, we, my brother, I have an older brother, but we grew up with my father, actually, um, in a small city of Owensboro, surrounded by tobacco fields and cornfields, and it just, it's just country, it's far away. <laughs> yeah. um, but I grew up there with two main motivations, two drives that were in me. Come on, get out. One was playing soccer. Love playing soccer. That, was, that became one of my passions, and actually kept me out of a lot of trouble. I decided I wasn't going to drink or do drugs or anything like that in high school because I didn't want to. I didn't want to mess up my athletic ability. So that was one drive. And my second drive and life's goal to get out of Kentucky. Yep. 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 Did you know I was coming? Yes. So my other job is to get out of Kentucky. I don't know. I feel like I. I saw this. Step. There was a small town trap. I felt like. That, that in my mind, there are people that could have left and could have done amazing things, but they end up kind of settling and staying there. And for some reason in my mind, I just did not want to do that. Actually, I didn't date anyone all throughout high school. I was not a Christian, but I didn't date anyone all throughout high school because I didn't want to have any attachments. <laughs> I was like, I don't really like it. <laughs> Actually, I turned down a, a full academic scholarship to go to the University of Louisville to pay out-of-state tuition at George Mason University in uh, Fairfax, Virginia, right outside of D.C. <laughs> That's how much I wanted to get out. But what did I say in the beginning? God is in control. Yeah. God was using all of these things to orchestrate my introduction to his kingdom. Yes. Um, you see, the, the dorm that I just so happened to, to live in, uh, well, there's so many different factors. My mom had a job, an incredible job that paid for my first two years of out-of-state tuition. There were just so many different factors that yeah. factored into this. Yeah. Um, but the dorm that I moved into had two disciples living in it. Um, both of them were resident advisors. So the floor uh, above me, someone, uh, some of you may know, Cherie Gale. Um, Cherie was one of the RAs in that, in that building. She actually studied the Bible with my wife. Um, and then the other disciple was um, my RA, who just happened to play soccer for George Mason, who was hurt that semester, so he had free time to reach out to me. And of course, I see this guy, and I'm like, hey, this dude plays soccer for Mason, I gotta get to know him, like, this, you know, we gotta hang out, so I'm going after it, you know? So God used these things, even these motivations in me to bring me closer to his yes. kingdom. Mm -hmm. uh, God is very much in control. Yeah. So God is determined, you know, who you live next to, who your friends are, who, who you cross paths with. Mm -hmm. None of these things are coincidence. Right. None of them. Mm -hmm. Here's more proof. Because I know you were thinking that. What's more proof that God's orchestrating life? Come on, Aaron. Ecclesiastes 9. Ecclesiastes 9, yeah. verse 11. I'm going to keep going, so forgive me if you're still turning there, you can write it down. Uh, Ecclesiastes 9 verse 11 says, I have seen something else under the sun. 
The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned. But time and chance happened to them all. But time and chance happened to them all. Time and chance is the reason why some of the, some of the best athletes in the world aren't professional. They don't make it. They're not on TV. Some of the best athletes. Time and chance has determined that. Time and chance is the reason why some of the most brilliant minds aren't studying at the, the big universities. They're not writing the papers they were reading about. And who determines what videos go viral or what memeable pictures happen? Time and chance. Time and chance. And, you know, you and I can't control time and chance. But God does. Right. Because God is in control. In Proverbs 20, verse 24, you can write that down. The Bible says, a person's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand their own way? Now, I love that question. How then can anyone understand their own way? Apart from God, how can we possibly understand the flow of our lives? How can we possibly make sense of all the different things that happen to us and when and the why. Sometimes we think, why did this happen to me? Why are these things happening to me? Maybe you feel like that now. But God says, how can you understand? How can you understand? Do you know what could have happened? Do you know what I'm planning? You know, God orchestrates our lives a lot like a Rubik's Cube. You know, uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter, just got a Rubik's Cube, and she's like playing around with this thing, and I'm like, I'm sorry, you're on your own. I've never been able to figure this thing out. I'm sorry, you know. But, but it's amazing because you have all these twists and turns and, 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 and trying to put these things together, and, and, and sometimes you, you have a whole side of one color that you have figured out, but then in order to get the other side figured out, you got to mess it all up. Yeah. And, and there's a method to the madness where you're watching it like, no, 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 no. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. It, it's just craziness to me. Yeah. Some of you were like, oh, it's easy. You just, you know, whatever. Uh, but not me. But this is how God orchestrates our lives. Yeah. As soon as some things start to make sense, it gets replaced with confusion. Yeah. Well, what just happened? I don't know. And we're left to try to figure out what in the world is going on. What is God doing? But we know that God is in control. Some of our most impossible prayers or mountaintop moments, they're, they're right there for us, waiting for God to turn the peace, waiting for God to turn the corner. Or some of us, we're going through so many things, we're waiting, we're saying, when is going to be the light at the end of the tunnel? Persevere. Don't give up. God's about to turn the peace. Amen? How can, us, how can we, any of us, really understand our way? You know, Job's another great example of this that I love. He, he went from life being all lined up in an order to utter chaos and fractured in a matter of minutes. And, and Job demanded an answer to his question of why. Why, God? 
I don't understand. And in response to Job, God asked him a series of 70 questions. <laughs> An interrogation of a lifetime. I think he said, gird yourself like a man. I will question you, and you will answer. <laughs> okay, God. You know, in one section, as God questions Job about creation and, and, and the creatures that are governed, God says this one particular line that, that, stand, uh, that stood out to me. God said, surely you know. For you were already born. You've lived so many lives. You've lived so many years. That was Job 38, 21. But I remember reading that and it dawned on me that as much as I know, I've only lived 38 years. Only 38 years in light of Eternity. I mean, and even us, us here, I don't know, what, what's the max number of years? I'm not going to ask you out loud, maybe 80, 90 years in here in this room? 70, 80, 90, something like that? But in the grand scheme of things, that's not a lie. Right. Yeah. How can we really understand yes. our way? Yet God is looking at 8 billion lives. Yeah. And that's only living now, not, not including the countless generations that's existed yeah. before. Right. right. Yeah. Don't you think God knows what he's doing? Yes. Don't you think God knows what he's doing in your life? Yeah. God is in control. Yeah. You know, I want to read a story here. It's a little long, so bear with me. Come on. Because I heard this years ago, and I, I, went, I went back, I researched it, I looked it up, and I found it. And, and I've kept it ever since, and it's probably been about 15 years now since I've heard it. But, but I, I love it so incredibly. It's called The Woodcutter's Wisdom. Has anybody heard that? The woodcutter's wisdom? Yeah. Uh, you're about to hear it now, so. <laughs> Amen. So here it goes. Once there was an old man who lived in a tiny village. Although poor, he was envied by all, for he owned a beautiful white horse. Even the king coveted his treasure. A horse like this had never been seen before. Such was its splendor, its majesty, its strength. People offered fabulous prices for the steed. But the old man always refused. This horse is not a horse to me, he would tell them. It's a person. How can you sell a person? He's a friend. He's not a possession. How could you sell a friend? The man was poor, and the temptation was great, but he never sold the horse. One morning, he found that the horse was not in the stable. All the village came to see him. You old fool, they scoffed. We told you the soul would steal your horse. We warned you that you would be robbed. You're so poor. How could you ever hope to protect such a valuable animal? It would have been better to have sold him. You could have gotten whatever price you wanted. No amount would have been too high. Now the horse is gone, and you've been cursed with misfortune. The old man responded, don't speak too quickly. Say only that the horse is not in the stable. That is all we know. The rest is judgment. Uh, if I've been cursed or not, how can you know? How can you judge? The people contested. Don't make us out to be fools. We may not be philosophers, but great philosophy is not needed. The simple fact that your horse is gone is a curse. The old man spoke again. All I know is that the stable is empty and the horse is gone. The rest I don't know. 
Whether it be a curse or a blessing, I can't say. All we can see is a fragment. Who can say what will come next? The people of the village laughed. They thought the man was crazy. They had always thought he was a fool. If, if he wasn't, he would have sold the horse and lived off its money. But instead, he was a poor woodcutter. An old man still cutting firewood and dragging out to the forest and selling it. He lived hand to mouth and in a misery of poverty. Now he had proven that he was indeed a fool. After 15 days, the horse returns. He hadn't been stolen. He had run away into the forest. But not only had he returned, he had brought a dozen wild horses with him. Once again, the village people gathered around the woodcutter and spoke. Oh man, you were right, and we were wrong. What we thought was a curse was a blessing. Please forgive us. The man responded, once again, you go too far. Oh, say only that the horse is back. Say only that a dozen horses return with them. But don't judge. How do you know if this is a blessing or not? You, own, you see only a fragment. Unless you know the whole story, how can you judge? You read only one page of a book. Can you judge the whole book? You read only one word of a phrase. Can you understand the entire phrase? Life is so vast, yet you judge all of life on one page or one word. All you have is a fragment. Don't say that this is a blessing. No one knows. I am content with what I know. I am not perturbed by what I don't. Maybe the old man was right, they said to one another. So they said little. But deep down, they knew he was wrong. They knew it was a blessing. Twelve out horses had returned with one. With a little bit of work, the animals could be broken and trained and sold for much money. The old man had a son, an only son. The young man began to break the wild horses. And after a few days, he fell from one of the horses and broke both of its legs. Once again, the villagers gathered around the old man and passed their judgments. You were right, they said. You proved you were right. The dozen horses were not a blessing. They were a curse. Your only son has broken his legs, and now you in your old age have no one to help you. Now you are poorer than ever. The old man spoke again. You people are obsessed with judging. Don't go so far. Say only that my son has broken his legs. Who knows if it's a blessing or a curse? No one knows. We only have a fragment. Life comes in fragments. It so happened that a few weeks later, the country engaged in war against a neighboring country. All the young men of the village were required to join the army. Only the son of the old man was excluded because of his injury. Once again, the people gathered around the old man, crying and screaming because their sons had been taken. There was little chance they would return. The enemy was strong and the war would be a losing struggle. They would never see their sons again. You were right, old man. They wept. God knows you were right. This proves it. Your son's accident was a blessing. His legs may be broken, but at least he's with you. Our sons are gone forever. The old man spoke again. It is impossible to talk with you. You always draw conclusions. No one knows. Say only this. Your sons had to go to war and mine did not. No one knows if it is a blessing or a curse. No one is wise enough to know. 
Only God knows. Whether we know <laughs> the things that happen in our lives are a blessing or curse, we don't know. Life comes in fragments. And we can't be so quick to judge the things that are happening to us, either if it's a blessing or a curse. This keeps us, this, this, keep, this should keep us stable, this should keep us even keel as, as things that, great things that happen, we're like, amen, praise God, but, but we're not putting all our hopes in the good things that are happening. And when bad things are happening, we're like, amen, praise God, it happens to everyone, but, but we don't know why these things are happening. We have to be slower to draw conclusions and remember that life comes in fractions, but remember mostly that God is in control. Yes. So what is God orchestrating? What's the point of all the things that he's doing? Well, I said it before. And like it says in Acts um, it was 19 that I read. Um, the God is orchestrating our lives so that he can bring us yes. and as many other people as possible into a relationship, an eternal relationship yes. with him. Yes. Uh, in verse 27, it said, he did this so that men might seek him yes. and reach out and find him. Yes. God is all about coordinating the times and places. Determine the places, providing opportunities yes. for the sole purpose of being reached out to and found. God's not trying to hide from anyone. He just wants to know who wants to know me. Right. Who are the people that want to know me? Who are going to seek me out? Who desires a relationship with me? And guess what? God's putting it over time because He wants you. He wants you, teens. Yes. yes. He's been orchestrating your lives. Putting you in exact places where he knows that you need to be right. for a reason. Yep. And for the rest of the church, too, there's a reason why the teens are here and right. the younger people are here. Right. I love you guys are having the gin to gin talks and things like that because we need each generation needs the other. Yes. Right. God has orchestrated it just like this. Yes. You know, another example for a recent one um, of God orchestrating. So we just moved up to Connecticut, which has been fantastic. Um, and in here, September 15th, I uh, moved up from Virginia. And one of we found this beautiful house. And it's hard to, you know, you're moving six hours away. It's hard to pick your house because, you know, uh, these photographers make these homes look incredible. <laughs> and you walk in and you're like, oh. <laughs> uh, but we found this incredible place. And we went up and saw it. And I mean, the view from the backyard was amazing. Um, it was like a hill, you just overlooked like mountains beyond blue sky. It was incredible, incredible. So we put in the offer um, and all that stuff, and we were fighting about it, and then some information came back. Um, you know, there, there may be some, not maybe, but there is some stuff in the foundation, which I hear is a Connecticut thing. Um, some things in the foundation that is going to crumble at some point, and we're like, well, if it's been here for 20 years, is it really the problem? Oh no. But then everyone involved was like, no, do not buy this house. And we're like, are you sure? No. Don't do it. Okay, and then we'll, we'll go with what you have to say. But my heart, I struggle. I still drive by that house like Amen. But God is orchestrating. God is in control. Because the next house that we found uh, put us in this particular
that thing. <laughs> so we didn't even really realize where we were. Um, and so we, we get in this new place, and let me tell you, our neighbors are incredible. I feel like we have some of the best neighbors, you know, like, they, they have their own little chat, like, they know that it's in a little cul-de-sac, so they have, like, happy hours, like, every Friday, and stuff like that. It's, it's pretty crazy. There are no fences around, which I was like, that's interesting, because we have two kids. And then we get there, we found out it's because all their kids play together. So they literally went, like, house hopping or backyard hopping. So they didn't want fences there to kind of block that, that hang time. And I'm like, you guys are incredible. Uh, so my, since we've come up here, my wife has been able to use her talent and, and really do that more, which is another thing. God has given you the talents and abilities to be used and to be reached out to, uh, to reach out to others. So my wife was like, I'm going to put on a concert because I just released an album. So she does, I'm going to do it for the neighborhood. So we talk to our neighbors, let them know what, you know what we were doing. And let me tell you, when the day came, like, my neighbors were like, what do you need? Do you need tables? Do you need chairs? Like, they were helping us set things up. They were helping us take things down. I'm like, this is incredible. Uh, so we invited them and invited a bunch of disciples. So we had over 40 people, which made our neighbors and disciples come to this little, like, gathering down at the end of our cul-de-sac. I love it. God, God put us in the exact place where we need to be. There's a family that lives right across the street from us. They have two kids, the, basically the same age as my daughters. When I tell you, these kids play together every single day. Every day, as soon as they get home, they look out the door and they're like, oh, are they out? Let's go over out the door. Every single day they play. The oldest daughter has fallen in love with my wife's music. Is, is singing the songs. Like during a concert, she's off to the side mouthing all of the words because they have been listening to it. And my wife is singing spiritual songs. This is a, a Hindu family. Mm. Wow. Oh, wow. wow. I don't know what God's doing, yeah. but I know it's not a coincidence. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. I love it. I love it. And, and yeah. since we've been here, you know, we've had Women's Day. We've had uh, a couple of our neighbors, uh, two of our neighbors come out and come out the Women's Day. It was virtual. Um, and, and since then, one of them started studying the Bible. They're doing like a little book book club type thing, and the other family's like, hey, maybe we need to go to church again. Maybe we need to find a new church, we, you know, something different than how we grew up. God, I don't know what God is doing, but I know that God is in control, and I know that he's orchestrating everything to bring as many people as possible into an eternal relationship with him. To answer our question of what is God orchestrating, do you really think that the things that happen in your life are do you really think that God doesn't have a reason for every single thing that he's doing? God uses the weather, he'll use anything, including a worldwide pandemic, to stop us in our tracks, and to get us to look up and consider him, to even consider church in new and different ways. Because his goal is to reach the entire world, amen? But we have to uh, remain resolved that God is still in control because he is. Even when it doesn't look like it, even when we think God is is absent, even when we wonder and ask the questions why, even when we can't explain it, even when we don't want it, God is still in control. So what are we supposed to do with all this, knowing that God is in control? Knowing that he's orchestrating our lives in such a way. Well, one practical here, sanctify your interests. 
What I mean by that is your talents, your, your, your abilities, your gifts, even your, your hobbies, the things you like to do, sanctify them. Yes. Use them, uh, like I said, like Paul said in Corinthians, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. This is the thing I love about freedom in Christ is you can do what you want to do. Just, just bring God into it and reach people along, along the way. So practical number one is sanctify your interests. Uh, practical number two, find the reasons. So what are the reasons why God has you where he has you? Search for those reasons. Pray about that. Pray that God will, will open your eyes to why you are where you are. Or pray for God to open your eyes as to why you went through what you went through right. or are going through. Hmm. And then lastly, don't jump to conclusions, but jump to trust. Yes. Jump, jump to trust. We see only in fragments. Yes. God sees the whole picture. Yes. Trust Him. If you're studying the Bible or just thinking, I'm, I'm curious about God or these, these Christian people or whatever, um, or, or curious about what's going on in the Bible, we'll ask someone. Yeah. If you're online, put something in the chat. Someone will reach out. Yeah. There are tons of people who want to open the Bible with you, who want to answer your questions. You're like, no, no, there's no stupid question. That's right. But let's jump to trust God. Amen. So as we wrap up here, remember, God is indeed in control. God is orchestrating your life to bring you and as many other people as possible into an eternal relationship yes. with him. Since life comes in fragments, let's remain faithful in our trust and hope that God is in control. Amen. 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 This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcast.